So I've just opened Necromunda and I've been looking at the two gangs and mm-hmm. I've been looking at the Eshers and I think I could paint them goth. Or you could paint like skull faces on them. Yeah. Oh man. But like Or, but... or and I'm just running out there think about, about it. What little top hats? Juggalos. Juggalos. Mm. I think maybe the um the Goliaths might make better juggalos than the Escher. Why not make them all juggalos? I don't like juggalos that much. Mm, I think or... you do, and you're just lying. Or at all? Mm. I remember you saying, yay, the Juggalos. That's, and wearing the face paint. That's, look. Once upon a time... Clowns represent. Once upon a time, I was down to clown. But that was an old mate, okay? That was a different guy. That was, that was like, seven months ago. But you got all those tattoos. Yeah, well, I, thankfully, I'm, they're covered by my... Vests. <laughs> <laughs> my giant basketball vest that I wear. And also my hatchet that covers some of my tattoos. So we're fine. I'm not a juggler at all. Excellent. It seems weird that the jugglers have adopted the hatchet as their ancestral weapon. Yeah. That's a grim I guess I I, I guess like it arises out of because like they're they're primarily like a southern thing. And so I can imagine that a lot of country folk would have a hatchet about the place. Yeah. But you wouldn't have, say, a pistol. But not like balloon animals, or a funny horn, or a bucket no, full of tinsel. Yeah, it's like those are all clown-related things. Mm. Even a tiger would have been circus-themed. Like right. if they all had tigers. A whip. A whip. A big cannon. Yep. One of those comedy strongman weights. <laughs> An elephant. <laughs> Roger Moore. These are all things you find in circuses. In every circus. Yes. God rest his soul, Roger Moore. He was my favourite Bond. Was he? Yeah, didn't you like the bad one? I liked the bad one, yes. What was it? Timothy Dalton? Timothy Dalton. Ah, you know what? He was really good. He was really good at Hot Fuzz. He was, actually. He was wonderful in that. And he couldn't have done it without being Bond first. Yeah. So I respect that. I don't have a lot of time for uh, old Sean Connolly, as far as Bonds go. Didn't give a monkey's about him. Well, just because, like... Both as a character and as an actor, they're reprehensible. I like, like Brosnan. Well, both both Sean Connery and Sean Connery era James Bond advocate beating women. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know, James. I know you were already on the edge of okay. Bros- Brosnan was fine mm. in the one in the first film he was in. And then things rapidly went off the rails until they had... I seem to remember there was a Korean who was disguised as a non-Korean and he slept in a rainbow mask and shot lasers at an invisible car from space. Look, I don't know that that's true. I think that happened. Madonna was in it. She was a fencing instructor. All I remember is Goldeneye. Goldeneye was great. It had Alan Cumming in it. Yep. And some other things. The big big ugly train... Famke Janssen, the watch laser. Right. The bit, the bit where he drove through the uh, the da 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 da, and he drove through, and he had the like the statue in Russia, like the Russian statue on top of his tank. I thought you were going to leave it there, like the bit where the theme song played. <laughs> the bit at the start, and there was a, a brief period of unrelated action, and then the theme song played. All I can remember is theme songs. I need help. The bit where there are a load of really moody, abstract images of women and guns. And someone sang. Um, I think in, I think we, we should sing a James Bond song to replace the um, the intro. James Bond, da da da. 
He's the guy with the gun. Is it the one that's golden? No, it's a different one. His gun is very small, but it shoots very far. And he has lots of gadgets. This one is a car. Look out, guys. Here he comes. Bum, bada, bum, bum. The last five words are just bum. There's just lots of pictures of of, um, of all of the Bonds bending over, looking coquettishly in the mirror. It's <laughs> all their bums. Like that old postcard of the of the dog who's gotten the lady's um, bottom half yeah. of the swimsuit. Yeah, like 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 the Coppertone kid. Yeah. Oh. Let's start the show. Do it. Good afternoon, or good evening, established guests, and welcome to this, the actual 40th episode of Hearty Dose Friends. My name, as ever, is Grant Howitt, and this fine fellow on the other end of the line, why we call him Christopher Edward Taylor. How are you, Christopher? I'm wonderful. And your good self? I'm, I'm good. I'm back from the pub. I had, I I had two pints of neck oil and a <laughs> delicious cheeseburger. Lubricated? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee, and I am ready to dispense some knowledge. I just realised I've ne- never used your full name on the podcast before. You've not. Christopher Edward Taylor. Have you ever used my full name on the podcast? And do you know what it is? Grant Scott Holland Heben Howitt. Well done. There you are, Grant fans. If you want to uh, look me up on the birth registry, that's what I'm down as. You can track but, him now. Yeah. And well, if you find him, you can have him. That's true, you can have me. Chris, we've had a wonderful week. It's been great. We met up in uh, in Horsham. Mm, the backwaters. Yeah, real, real middle of fucking nowhere. Charming market town. With no market and barely a town. Yeah. We had a burger. It was fine. So that's two, two, two bacon cheeseburgers in two days for me. I'm, I'm hoping to train it with a third. You glutton. That's me. Uh, we are ready to drop some piping hot wisdom on you. What I want you to do, listeners, is, is just spread your ear open with both your hands so we can just dollop our knowledge right in there. Chris, how about you hit me with a question from our good friends on the Discord? I will indeed hit you with a question. Sal asks, what are mm-hmm. some good ways to introduce a new PC to an already begun campaign? I love this. I love the many options it gives you. I love how little player choice there is in what you can do. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you're um, you're the fighter's idiot brother, and he's never mentioned you because he's upset about you. He's <laughs> going straight for the interpersonal relationships. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, you're the sorcerer's stepson, and he really wishes you weren't here. The illegitimate child of two of the party members. Yeah, brilliant, right? And they just—they they, they thought they could get rid of it for a while, but now it's back. I, I think this is fun because, like, one of the problems I I really have problems with in most games is a lack of party coherence and synergy. Generally, it just sort of like you just make some characters and waddle into a game, and then you sort of toy with it however you feel yeah like your th- your thinking is more sort of do we have a cleric rather yes. than what would be interesting here yeah precisely and so i um i quite like the opportunity once you've got that 
that idea of characters built up. You, you can get something which you can slot into that. Yeah. But it's super difficult. I've got a little bit, a little bit of an anecdote here, actually. Oh my! From my for, well, from my Thursday game. So I started running a game of Dungeons and Dragons on Thursdays because I knew like six people, all who all, all all who were saying, "Oh, we're really interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons, but we don't have anywhere to play." But they didn't. It's not like they all came to me as a group. I just met these people over the course of about two months, and then I used my wizardly powers to get everyone into Stratford on the Thursday, and we played Dungeons and Dragons, and it's lovely. But. Um, for the first three weeks, uh, two of the players couldn't turn up, so we ended up playing anyway because I booked the room, and we made up these characters. And the gag was is that it was their it was their final year of a girls' school in St Zeppelin's uh, Fantasy's uh, best flying girls' school, and they were on their final exam, which is to go and have an adventure in D and D terms. And we had that; it was all set up, and it was really neat. And then they sort of they established rivals and stuff, and we had this. And then a month in. The, the other two players turned up. We had to sort of like crowbar them in. Yeah, use the old shoehorn. And there was like we made it work in that we had like a uh, uh, one of them was the other one's sworn protector, and the other one uh, went to school with, with with one of the other players. We made it all work. They had they had some they had some backstory there, but it was very much like there was a definite shift during the campaign where we did that, and then it felt like oh what we had together what we had at the start was special, and now anyone can show up. And it felt a little bit like that relationship had changed. Yeah. So that, that was interesting. And I think that there's always a problem. If you've got a really strong group with a really cool, predefined group identity, trying to put someone on top of that feels a bit like a side dish. Yeah, and there's there's also the problem of games where the players are being secret. Mm. So, for instance, if you're playing Call of Cthulhu... Yes. ...where you don't want the population at large to know about what you're doing... And or the entire party dies, mm-hmm. or half the party. Yes. How do you then get new players? Well, I've always wanted to run a Call of Cthulhu campaign where you play the investigation in investigating the death of the previous characters every time. That would be good. Like set, like maybe like five linked one shots, and they're separated by about twenty, thirty years. And so, like, so, so effectively, what's it called? Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. Eternal, uh, Eternal Darkness is a is a the GameCube game. Oh, the GameCube game. Internally, you also do that in Eternal Lies. Ah, oh, very good. Is Eternal Lies the one where um, everything goes wrong? Everything always goes wrong. Yeah, but everything goes wrong on a global scale. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes, that's the one. Um, it's like three hundred pages long, isn't it? It's a really good book. Right. Like it's but... an interesting story. Yeah. Okay. If nothing else. And it's, it's, it's just as a quick aside, actually. Chris and I have been trying to write adventures, and we don't know how the fuck to do it. Like, we've read our fair share of them. We've been doing it very differently. Yeah, I, I suppose, like, you know what? We decided to run a LARP ten years ago. More than ten years ago now, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, exactly ten years ago it was. We, we ran a LARP. To the minute. To the minute. Uh, we kicked open the doors of the Congregation Hall at the University of East Anglia and filled it full of zombies. And we we'd never really played LARPs before, but we decided that shouldn't stop us from running one. That we'd be better at doing it than people who had. I think that we were cocky, and also right. Mm. Like in the not listen, I'm not saying that we were better than other people who were running LARPs because we were new. I think we just happened to be naturally better. That's beside the point. The the <laughs> the thing I want to get at is we hadn't learned all of the problems. Yeah. Which, which you'd be like, oh, it's a lot, so we have to have this, we have to have that. And we hadn't learned all of those issues, and so we just sort of approached it... Fa- I mean, I hadn't written a tabletop game before, either. 
It was very much like just kicking in a door. Yeah, it was. We'll it was see what's on the other side hand. when the door is open. Yeah, for sure. Oh, success. <laughs> it's been continually lucky, really. Yeah. But yeah, so we've, we're having the same problem with, with scenarios, and we just, we've ended up just writing buckets full of characters. Kind of like a sandbox, but with rails in it. <laughs> well, like, sorry, like, like a really long, thin, interesting sandbox. <laughs> yeah, with the illusion of choice. Yeah. Um, no, we have actual choice, I think. We do. I'm not into the illusion of choice. Anyway, what was the question? <laughs> Introduce a new character into a party. Yes. What are good um, ways to do so? So, I should like to read to you from something I've written previously. Oh dear. I will be right back. This is your memoirs. Yes. <clears throat> Grant Howard was a pale and consumptive child, more sinned against than sinned. No, it's not that. Um, it's the clad as he was in the rickets. It's the <laughs> it's the it's the ways which you introduce a new character in the game. Uh, my name uh, my name is Inigo Montoya Junior. Mm-hmm. Jumping in through a window, kicking in the door, riding a horse in a place that horses shouldn't go, emerging from a side door, having been listening all along, tearing open the painting with the eyes cut out that they were hiding behind. Throwing off their disguise as one of the villain's henchmen. They were disguised as the previous character and now throw off that false identity. Rescued from prison. Descending from the rafters on a rope. Blowing up the wall and emerging from the smoke and debris. Something involving a chandelier. So is that your solution? Any of those, yeah. Any of those could work, <laughs> I think. Not how to keep a running narrative or <laughs> how to, you know... Mate, you and I have never bothered with that shit. That is that is very true. So, okay, so seriously, I think familial relationships are really good. I think um, the Dark Sun way of doing it, where you had to generate two of the characters who functioned as NPCs, were very good. That was a good way of doing it. Yeah, there's interesting ways in Call of Cthulhu where you you are part of organisations. Mm. So you're part of, um, you know, gentlemen's clubs of the era. Mm. Um, and you you send all of your notes and everything to be kept by the club in the case of your death. Ah, and then and then Binky comes along. And then Binky comes along and steals uh, a uh, win from a casino. Rogers was telling me there's also some sort of eldritch horror down here. I thought it sounded like a jolly old show after he went mad and ended up in prison and everything. I thought, why not? Do. So I'll come down, I've got my shotgun and a goose. And also 33 completely unpaid labourers. <laughs> They're Irish! That. 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 Not that. Not that. But that. Um, I think... I, and like, I, I think playing someone who's directly avenging the death of the previous character is fun. But it's, it's, it's a new character, it's not a replacement. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to just tie your new character's motivation in yeah. with what's happened. Yeah. I mean, but, even but, if, like... The players failed, and yeah. the dragon destroyed the village. Have somebody who survived that attack? Yeah, or the dragon. A little bit more difficult, but I see where you're coming yeah. from. Um, we had we, we had something similar to this happen in the game of Dark Heresy I was running once, where I invented a, a an NPC called uh, Tanya Highfalutin, um, who was <laughs> a um, she was she was an, an, an ex guardswoman uh, sex worker who was working for the feckless noble. These guys were were, were basically. Um, conning and the arbitrator of my group was like oh, I really like Tanya can I play her instead and so we just sort of shuffled her character off to the side and replaced her that sounds lovely and it was it was 
I think at that point, you know, Tanya had become an interesting character in the campaign, and people wanted to keep her around. And I think that, like, in, like also in, encouraging characters to to mention NPCs, and, and I think, I think writing them, writing characters with an understanding that here's someone that can take up your mantle if you yeah. come along. Um, but organizations work very well as well. So, like, just just having, well, you know, we, we, we're uh, there's also, there's other person here from the Inquisition. They, you have to bring them along with you, or else they're not evil. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Shifty eyes, shifty eyes, shifty eyes, shifty eyes. Sorry, you, 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 this is an audio medium. You see to make a noise like shifty eyes. That's why I said shifty eyes because hearing my eyes slide backs and forwards is going to be awful. Okay, fine. Yeah. Agree to di- agree to disagree. Ask me a question. Yeah, I got a question. Do it. I got a big question for you. What's your favorite free game? Asks JoJo's worth reading. JoJo's worth reading. Or JoJo swore threading. Swarthreading. Swarthreading. I quite like parsley. It is quite good, isn't it? Isn't it money, parsley? I thought there was a free version. Uh, There's there's a couple of free ones. So parsley is a really lovely game uh, which looks to emulate um, all text-based adventure games. Like, Mm. um, what's it, Zork? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've played a couple of them actually, and we've we've had a really fun time, uh, like on holidays and stuff. When when, when I've when I've been with my uh, my nieces and nephews, running uh, running it for them because you just have the map in front of you, and the idea is whatever you do, you respond as though you were a computer. Yeah, I think that works really well. So I put a lot of stead in Zaibatsu, which was the first game I ever ran. Um, it is a it's a two d six based system, uh, which is really honestly pretty basic. But it means well, and I've talked about the podcast before. I think Lady Blackbird's an incredible free game, uh, just in terms of the the storytelling mechanics behind it are really clever. It's really fun to play. It's a bit woolly around the back end, but it means well, and it's got a lovely setting that it, it sort of tells in four pages, which is great. Ghost Echo by also by John Harper is good. Yeah, um, in fact, John Harper actually has a whole bunch of free. Yeah, games. like almost everything John Harper's done is fucking gold. Yeah. Honestly. He's astonishing. It's um, yeah, a little bit. So um, this is actually like the way that I started reading RPGs. So I um, I didn't have uh, I didn't have a nerd friend um, who got me into it. I just um, I just discovered RPGs. I was like, oh, that'd be fun. But I lived in Portugal, in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like I could pop down the local you know um, magic shop or what have you and, yeah. and, and read some Dungeons and Dragons books I had no access to them casually so what I did every weekend was I sat down and I read free RPGs that I took offline in like 2001 <laughs> and not stealing RPGs because I didn't know about that and also it wasn't as popular back then what I did was I read free games and I got through so much tosh yeah I can there was a there was a, a, there was a website and there still is. It's a John Kim's free RPGs and it hasn't been updated in a while. But that has like I think about five hundred free RPGs and like they're organised alphabetically and by genre and by length and by um, like complexity of rules. Um, and that did me for a couple of years. That was wonderful. That's where I discovered Zaibatsu. And most of them are just like Angel Fire pages. <laughs> Oh yeah, a bit of GeoCities. Yeah, um, and like they're either badly written or overwritten or both. But there's a real charm there, and that's how, that's kind of how I got into games. Oh, Wushu is free. I yeah, believe. crucially, uh, Wushu was the first game that I ever GM'd for Chris, mm-hmm. and kind of as an adult, I GM'd it when I think it was nineteen. 
uh, during my first game as a, as, as a proper gamer rather than just doing something to try and pass the time. <laughs> and it was an unusually intimate experience. Oh, my. I threw a wall at you. You did? It was very erotic. <laughs> that is how I was wooed. Mm. Um, I'm going off free games now, though, now, uh, in terms of buying them. And I kind of like supporting the industry. <laughs> Sorry, you're going off free games in terms of buying them. Yeah, not in terms of writing them. I turned that one a month. Mm-hmm. But I quite like. I think I quite like being able to to like to give. Because actually, I, I read much less than I used to now. Like, ever since you and I started working effectively full time mm. on being, um, you know, writers. Um, back when I was just sort of pissing about and not doing anything serious, I used to read about four RPGs a, a week. Yeah, uh, and down with the PDFs, but I don't really have the opportunity to do that now. I'm, I'm working a bit harder on stuff, and so I think what I find quite enjoyable is like getting my twenty dollars and putting that down on a PDF. I know is going to be luxe. It's going to be really nicely done. It's going to be lovely art. Like, and I know the game's good, and I'm excited about it. And I think that's kind of more what I'm into these days. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I like about an RPG product is to sink into it. Mm. like yeah. a good book yeah. and because they're free and this is not a problem with the, the medium as it were mm. um, it, they're, they're short yes. there's not a lot of content Yes, and I can't sit there and, and read them as I can a full campaign system, system that sort of thing it's a fascinating thing to descend into actually because it's not an experience we have in really any other media no it's not like we're not experiencing a story. I guess that the closest you've got is, is is playing a game like a roguelike almost. It's not even like a roguelike. No, it's it's, it's reading a potential world. You're, you're you're reading and imagining worlds which can happen around this. And so, like, I don't want to read scenarios. I want to read systems and I want to read settings. Mm. And then it's how how these systems, these settings, these character powers sort of glom together into something which is fiction, but isn't a story. It's an odd category, isn't it? It's, it's like uh, one of the things that um, I struggle with. I certainly struggled with with the release of Spire was finally getting over my fear of doing um, in depth world building. Yeah, because I've always been down with world building, having these ideas. But I've always more been down with keeping it really, really loose and having just like having really it's like snatches of story around the place, and players can build and infer what they want. And part of the fear with Spire was, was actually saying, no, here's what I think is good, this is what I think is great. And I think a lot of role-playing games really suffer from having that it doesn't spark the imagination when you sit down and read it. It's not written from a story-first perspective, it's written from a taxonomy-first perspective, which does not make something very interesting. Yeah, a campaign setting written in a simulationist style <sighs> is very informative... It's the same reason I don't read guidebooks about Belgium, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like you, can, you can go into too much detail. Give me hooks. Don't give well, me like, descriptions. I think, I think my, my favourite world building um, that isn't, wasn't explicitly a story game, I guess, would be uh, the, 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 the first, or I guess second edition, uh, Unknown Armies. Yeah. Which had a world there, and it was like, these things are real, these things are definitely part of the world. Uh, there's about five of them. Don't worry too much if you want to change it. However, here's 2,000 things which may or may not be true. Yep. Uh, and that's been very um, oh. informative of everything we've done since. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm quite, I'm, I, I've, been, I've been looking forward to possibly doing something um, um, online with you, actually, and like building a, a really loose fictional world just from things that may or may not be true. 
Yeah. Effectively, starting world building from a monster manual first. It's a good way to do it. Like um, Fire on the Velvet Horizon. Yeah. Yeah, which I have a huge respect. I know, I know it's not exactly your cup of tea, but I absolutely adore it. It's a if, if if anyone's if anyone isn't aware of what Fire on the Velvet Horizon is, it is a statless, systemless, monstrous manual with all strange creatures in, and it's illustrated in a bit of a daft way, but. Almost every single one of them is fascinating in some way, and I don't especially want to throw players up against them, but I love just exploring a non-standard meta-narrative around that. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's the book of unremitting horror, but less usable. Yes, precisely. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think my favourite setting book, I think, would be Domains of Dread. Yeah. The, uh, the Ravenloft book, which is just so like... So good. There's, there's some stuff! And it was all it was all fairly short. I think like the longest entry was about twenty pages, and most of them were about five pages. And because because they were five pages long, it wasn't like oh here are the major imports and exports of this. It was like no here's a story. Here's yeah. the thing you give a shit about. Go tell stories. Considering about. that it was in second editions era, yeah, my like gosh. that was that was quite something. Yeah, surprisingly fluid. Really. Anyway, we're really getting off topic. I'm going to ask you a question. Ask me a question. One D thirteen asks. How do I run a beer and pretzels game? So I need to double check. What's a beer and pretzels game? Um, Cobalt Ate My Babies. Goblin Quest. It's um, uh, all out of bubblegum. Fun it hijinks. Is, yes, it is It is short form fun hijinks. It is like the, the idea of beer and pretzels is you sit down, you drink some beer, you eat some pretzels, and you just shoot the shit, I believe, as Americans say. Right. Uh, with your friends, and you happen to do a role-playing game while you go along. I think my my equivalent word, which uh, which Mary told me about actually, was crack. Right. As in, as in, like we like we were in a major uh, a major the apocalypse game, which was crack. In that it had uh, one game where the enemies were floating hats who landed on people's heads and possessed them. Yeah, so it's silly and fun, and it's not yeah. meant to be serious. Yes. In which case, going back to an earlier question, free RPGs. Mm. Yes, very much so. Get a hold of a free RPG every week and play a different one. Yeah. That's probably a podcast in there. Probably is, actually. Um, you know what? I'm sure there's like three that already exist. Yeah, but just. I don't listen to actual plays. But print yeah. them out on A4 paper, shuffle them, <laughs> put them face down, and take the top one. Play that. I think as well, like, you're looking at things like ambience and group and getting people. getting people excited to start a new story, I think. Yeah. I think I think getting beer and pretzels is a good start. I think I think honestly, one and a half beers makes anyone a better role player. Not necessarily a better improviser, but more fun to have around at the the role playing table. Yeah. And then after that, Grant's jamming skills rapidly go downhill. <laughs> but I mean, for instance, for the last Hearty Dice Hangout, we we played Trashkin. Yeah. And that was just it was bonkers. Yes, it's beer and pretzels, and the plot was you uh, you were tasked with getting an heirloom back from a trash heap, which turns out was a bear that lived in it, and it wasn't an heirloom. They just wanted to see you get killed by a bear. Yeah, and we drove it into a in, in, Chris, into a pub. Chris, you rode that bear. I rode that bear. It was my birthday. I was allowed to. <laughs> Chris, uh, so uh, Chris and I co- uh, co- co-authored um, Trashkin, and then we playtested it, and Chris decided uh, Chris was a goat girl, and he decided that it was his birthday. Um, and I really loved that and Chris's character, and so now all goat girls believe it is their birthday at all times, and that is canon. Yep, it's important. And I think I think we need more rules like that. Yeah, like but like but like warlocks. It is 
half a week from payday. (laughs) (laughs) You owe somebody 10 quid, but it's all right because you've got 30 on you. (laughs) It's going to come up. Uh, Or like tall. Yeah, not like too tall. No, I'm just I'm tired of things having to be having to be bloody reinforced with mechanics. Mm. Just 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 do it, okay? Just do it. Just enjoy yourself. Stop people. stop making me write you leashes to tell stories. Have a bit of crack. Oh, have a bit of No, you know what? Sorry. Good game mechanics are good, obviously. I yeah. stress that. And also I shouldn't be, you know, suggesting people take crack. Yeah, don't take crack. Also, please do carry on uh, pre- uh, supporting producers of game mechanics otherwise we will die hungry in the gutter we will we really will <laughs> i think ambiance is good i think like having some fun music on is nice i had i i, I had a dungeons and dragons game become beer and pretzels um, that's a weird course, way of it happening uh, over the course of a couple of sessions and that we, we all started off with like using acs and spell lists and by the end of it i stopped asking them to roll because it might go wrong, right? Yeah, and we we listen to a lot of Kesha. That is that is a D and D game that's kind of gotten away from itself. Well, I you know what I think I think it ran as fast as it could, and we caught up with it. Fair enough, but it, it built up a lot of Kesha based momentum. Yeah, well, she'll do that. Gosh, she's great. God bless her. How how would you run a beer and pretzels game, Chris? What sort of what what sort of props or materials would you like to would you like to use? I don't think I'd use any props or materials. I think mm. I'd, I'd stick to it being like a board game night. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, what we're going to do is every Thursday, we're going to come around and we're going to have some fun. We're going to play It's going to be random something. fun. Yeah. We're going like, to we're, we're try something. And not all, like, all, not all the games will be good, but we're going to have fun and we're going to enjoy spending time with each other. Exactly, yeah. You yeah. treat it as a social experience. I th- yeah, I, I think at that point, and actually, probably necessitates a different group of players from a group which would be brilliant for an ongoing campaign. Yeah, like you really need people who don't care about long-term stories, but are that's, good uh, at acting. That's that's me and Chris. There, we hate long-term stories. <laughs> Bring us like, along. For, I like long-term you? stories. Oh, you know what? I like six short-term stories in a row that happen to be one long-term story. That way. <laughs> I don't like biding my time. I don't see the point. We're all going to die. Life's too short. Just tell me what's going on. It's all over. I just want to know. I just, just, like, just tell me, Miss Marple. Okay. <sighs> you know what, though? Yeah. Nexus the Duck asks. Okay. How can I run an RPG club in a thirty-minute lunch break at school? So this is a snappy, snappy, quick burn podcast we're recording this time. Lots of, lots of short form stuff. Yeah. How can, I, how can I run an RPG club in a 30 minute lunch break you got, at school? You've got half an hour. Okay. Bang out an RPG game. I think it should be. I'm going to. This isn't necessarily going to be funny. This is going to be maybe useful advice, okay? Good lord. Sorry. Sorry, both of you. You use something akin to Dungeons and Dragons. I think I'd actually recommend Tiny Dungeons mm-hmm. for this. Um, something, or like the Black Hack. Or something very, very straightforward, as few rules as possible, but something which is not weird. If you have something which is Dungeons and Dragons, and I think you can only really use Dungeons and Dragons, uh, primarily also because I know for a fact Nexus is a teacher. Yeah, that's um, why it's at school, and that's why it's at school rather than this is someone who is is at school who's writing in. Um, you can't really sell the high concept of a of a story system to kids. 
unless it's it's Dungeons and Dragons, you know? Yeah. Not saying kids are stupid, but because like you have to try and lure them in. Gateway you have drugs. To, yes, you have to trick and attract children into your trap. So then they'll get onto they'll get onto proper role playing games. Not Dungeons and Dragons. Not <laughs> but I, I, fuck, I run two games of it, but other role playing games, perhaps more interesting ones. And so I think if you had this is a sci fi game in which you play post apocalypse, yeah, whatever. I think like you just have it's Dungeons and Dragons. They, they come up and do the thing, and you have as many players as as are available. So wow. the so, so the idea is that you have a wagon train which rolls through um, various adventure locations, and everyone's on the wagon train. And then every time they stop, this town is like, "Oh, we've got a problem with the kobold. Oh, we've got a problem with the mines. They're full of farts or whatever, you know." <laughs> and so each week, the idea is that. Each session, uh, maybe it's like once a day, maybe it's five times a week, maybe it's once a week, whatever. Um, the adventurers go in, they do some adventuring, they make camp, and then if anyone else is, if anyone different is at the next session, they join them afterwards at the camp. That makes a lot of sense. And so actually. you have a continual rolling story. I think if you've got more than 12 players, got a real problem there. Because you because you're gonna start getting groups who can't handle what they're doing. I think possibly having like a second like a second mini GM who you could pluck into the story could work. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, you could actually bake the half hour into the game. Go on. Like, there's only half an hour of daylight on this world. Oh, that's fun. And the nighttime is incredibly dangerous. We should do something like that. Yeah, so there's only half an hour in which you can actually get anything done. Oh, and then after that, it's like pitch black. So yeah. all the like all the horrible gribbly monsters are there, and you've got no Vin Diesel to save you. Yeah, exactly. Half an hour of daylight, or like um, you've got um, we've hacked it. So there's half an hour between uh, between the end of curfew and the start of the government surveillance drones. Yep. So we so, so so we have to get out and do a thing, but then get back into cover by the time the half hour is up. Otherwise, we start incurring uh, stealth losses. And, as it but were. you use an actual timer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A bit like Ten Candles, right? Yeah, a little bit like Ten Candles. Yeah, yeah, but because I'm not, I'm not. It's the thing I've I've always struggled with having actual timed RPGs. Yeah, um, because they treat time in a really screwy way. In that you can have one like six seconds can take ten minutes, or yes. three years can take a minute. And so that's really—it it could be very frustrating. Like if you've got to try and get somewhere within the time to have, like, so for example, I would not run D and D three point five in half hour blocks. No, but I think running something with really quick resolution, like veering more towards the old, like the OSR scale of things, where magic was mainly up to DM interpretation. You sort of you cross your fingers and ask for help. Yeah, I think you could run that quite well, and I really like the idea of having. Um, We've got, or like, uh, we're in, like, we're in a peculiar dreamland, and so we only get half an hour of deep enough dream sleep enough to to wake up in these bodies and move around and do stuff. Yeah, so you've you've got everybody like, there's no, there's not going to be any of that umming and ahhing, like, well, yeah. do we go left, do we go right, yeah. like, just pick. Yeah, like the rule is you can't stay in the same place twice in a row because we will find reasons. Yeah. Like uh, wolves come in, the doors fall down. Whatever you have to move on somewhere else. You can come keep back. Keep moving. This way. Keep making decisions. Yeah, and it's really quick. It's really and like uh, possibly like actually having like a minute timer for like um, once you once you ask someone a question, you spin the timer, and then when that runs out, the worst thing happens. 
Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a well, fun isn't quite the word, but it sounds like an exciting thing to do for half an hour. Yeah, exactly. Because normally, normally role playing is really measured and slow, and you have time, and like some people even do retcons. But I like the idea of no, this is all happening. Go. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to punish you, but we need to move quickly, and you have that continual timer running. Well, that's good. I might set it on a train. That works. That's kind of cool. Between Although, stations, you're not really getting to safety at that point. But there is there, there is something kind of fun. I like the idea is the train. Oh, it's, it's, it's a bit like having a bit like having the wagon hub that moves with you, right? Except yeah. you can except you can set adventures in the train. Like um, we've uh, we've we, we've got the last wizard train, and we're um, we're clearing the brush off the off the ancient stone tracks, trying to open a trade route between these two countries. But you could also do really interesting investigative scenarios in that. Go on. So you're on the train. He'll kill again! You're on the train and it looks yeah. like you've just killed somebody. Right. You've got until when the guard, the, you know, the police have been called, they're waiting at the next station. Oh, that's fun. You've got, you've got literally half an hour. Yeah. And to prove your innocence. To cover up whatever happens. Or to cover it up or yeah. whatever you choose. Or, like, or to find the actual killer. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, I will say one problem. If you split the party, it's fucked. Yeah, no, I'm talking low player counts. Or I guess just like, hey, we don't split the party. Sorry, guys. I yeah. don't know how it happens. Um, if you split the party, it happens in a single role, and we deal with it narratively, and I have the timer in front of me. And if I don't describe it by the time um, it's done, you get the best possible thing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a super fun way of looking at it. I quite like that. I mean, like, because we've been chatting about having a wagon train RPG a few episodes ago. Yes, we did. And I think there's something really fun to be had around the idea of having a movable hub, which goes between places. Um, because, like, all too often, the issue with the standard D&D hub is that it only lasts you for about three levels. Yeah. But this kind of grows with you, and I quite like the idea that when you start off, there's a bunch of level tens at the front of the caravan. And they're, they're like the meanest, roughest, toughest motherfuckers who are in charge of the security. And you're like, hey, one of the caravans is infested with rats. By which I mean they've stolen it. Please go and get it back. <laughs> they've unhitched the horses and tugged it themselves. <laughs> it is a horrendous, writhing mass of rat flesh out there. But you're going to have to deal with that. because you're On you go. On you go, lads. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, do that, Nexus. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. Ask me. Possibly. This, could, this is... We may have already answered it. Greyfeld asks, how do you engage your players in, inverted commas, the journey? The journey. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took a midnight train going anywhere. It's very difficult to sing in time because we've got a slight delay. Yeah, you're gonna have to just to say bye. You're gonna have to. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's how you get your players involved in the journey. You make them sing. Journey. Yeah. Or they play Boston. Mm. Known rivals to Journey. Yes. How do you engage your players in the journey? It's difficult. Random encounter tables are okay, as long as you write them yourself and they're not really random. Yeah. And or it's, it's not or just or like, at like, orc, three orc. bears. But it's like, why, why is our orc there? Why am three bears there? Etc. Yeah. 
that's fine. You can, if you can answer those questions, that's okay. And then engage your players in the journey. So people care about other people, right? Yes. That's the trick. I'm very little found. about environments. Environments, we're not, we're bred to live in environments, but the reason why humanity has survived and prospered as a species is because we can fucking talk to each other. Yep. And by talking to each other, we can communicate very difficult concepts, and then eventually, capitalism. It's just like, well done, because, like, cheaters don't have capitalism. And they, like, they can't make you a cup of coffee. Nope. So people are the important thing. Now, I'm going to lean towards a popular entertainment um, franchise known as Pokemon. Pokemon. Is that how it's pronounced? Pokemon. Yes. Pokemon. Little yes. fellas in the balls. Yes. Yes. You, 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 have, you have the little red and white prisons and you throw them at each other and their lives are either the, the void of unconsciousness or constant battle. Go, Pikachu. So, there's Pikachu, Chamander, and I can't think of a funny way to pronounce Squirtle. Squirtle. There's Bliss Toys. Bliss Toys. <laughs> and Wart Autois. Wart Autois and Hi, Squirtle. I'm Wart Autois, but you can call me Wart. Um, this is my tiny brother, Squirtle. <laughs> Squirtle! We have, um, they have um, Nurse Joy. Yes. Who is at every single Pokemon, sorry, Pokemon vet? Center. Center, thank you, yes. Butcher? Center. <laughs> and I don't remember... I <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I think it'll get my Pachemon better. Depot? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't know... I don't know whether there's one Nurse Joy, and she's very quick, or there's lots of Nurse Joys. I forget the canon on that one. I seem to remember they made a gag about it in the, in the, in the cartoon show. But the fact that it's Nurse Joy in every single vet you go to, sorry, centre, every single Pokemon health centre you go to, every single Pokemon leisure centre, every single Pokemon sauna that you go to has the same nurse in it. And that provides a, le- a, le- a level of familiarity. No matter, where, no matter where you are, here is, for the want of a better word, the same person. A doppelganger. Yeah. There is a better word. There you go. <laughs> So I think having recurring NPCs who move via <clears throat> plot works really well in terms of making people interested in the journey. So, like, you've got, for example, if if, if we have like like um, the example we were talking about before, the like the, the wagon train, you've got the different people who are on the wagons, so you can they, they can talk to you. But you've also got things like, what if it's just the, sh- the same shopkeeper over and over, or his brother who looks or, eerily similar? Yeah, just a whole family. This is Brumbo, Grumbo, Humbo, Trumbo, and Thrombo. All, all these Grumbos, and they all tired. It's me, Grumbo. Like, um, fuck. Bleak Expectations. Yeah. Which is a really lovely um, BBC, uh, BBC Radio Four, BBC Radio Four comedy show, uh, which takes the piss out of Charles Dickens, and then latterly just books as they run out of Dickens. <laughs> There's only so much Dickens. Yeah, but they have uh, his the the person who runs the school, which um, the protagonist Pip Bin goes into, is a Mister Hard Thrasher. And then throughout throughout the the rest of the six episodes of the show, there is a different member of the Hard Thrasher family, who happens to be in a position of authority who endangers Pip. And in the second season, it changes over to the Stone Beaters, who are yes. a rival family. 
Yeah, and they all have precisely the same voice actor doing a really similar voice. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like, putting on a lady's accent on top of it. Um, but that really worked because it was because it was camp, and I think that you can you can get away with something similar of that, or like possibly having like if if you don't want to be too like if you don't want to bend the the rules too far, you could have oh well here's not here's an organization and every single person is Agent Johnson and Johnson no relation, yeah, and it's just all Johnsons, and that. <clears throat> that's kind of a word for Willies, isn't it? It is another word for Willies. Yeah, that's funny, yeah. Um, that can give you some more interest on in the journey, but. Aside from people, what else can you do to make travel more interesting, Christopher Edward Taylor? So, this is a controversial one. Okay. But actually gamify it. Rations, things like that. Mm. I don't mean necessarily you mean tracking like in Dungeon rations. World? I mean stating, like, the, the shopping trip to buy rations. Right, and then you've got you've got that shopkeeper there, and you've got that shopkeeper there. Hello. But like, make make the setup and the arrival yeah. interesting, yeah, and skip the journey, and like try and try and take something, try and bind something in the journey into the larger story. So, like, let's say for example, you're fighting the Dragon War. As you, I don't know what that is. You fight the Dragon War, and as you, as they drive along, you describe like in in the distance there is. You can see devastation as there are there are burning villages and hamlets on the horizon, um, and people fleeing uh, with soot blackened faces and uh, packs of meager possessions on their backs. And then you cut to the next relevant thing. Yeah, or even things like you know the bag of grain you you bought with you had a rat in it, and that's spreading contagion. Yeah. And just your movement has changed the world. Yeah, so I think like the, the, the way to make any role-playing game interesting is listen to what players say and then provide feedback on their actions. Like, wow. As long as... That's great, as long... thanks. Now we don't need to do the podcast anymore. Oh, shit, I solved role-playing! Oh, fucking solution was there all along. Oh, no. Well, listen... Listen, thank you. It, thank you for listening. It's been great. This is going to be the 40th and last episode of Five Best Friends. <laughs> uh, because also, I don't mean to alarm you, but three episodes ago, we said kebab too many times and the government came around to stop me. They did. Yes, they They, 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 they had a warrant. Down. They did, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently you can mm. say kebab too many times. <sighs> Point is, yep. um, how do you engage your players in the journey? The you listen to their actions and then you provide feedback based on that and hopefully your system will do that in some way. Dungeon World has a really good way of doing it and you have one person take point, one person um, navigate and one person be in charge of the rations and then yeah. you roll to sort of see how that all works and your rations are something which you which you have and like it's it's not like oh I have three sausages and a ham and two cheeses. You have three ration and you expend yeah. ration when you need to. Yeah, I mean, the One Ring does something similar um, because you can't really have a Lord of the Rings game without travel being a very large. I would argue that's over of half of a Lord of the Rings story is fucking walking somewhere. Yes, um, and they they handle it in much the same way that Dungeon World does, and that that mm. really works for the system. Mm. I think also it depends on the game. Like, if you're looking at things like it, it depends on the scale of the journey because you've been using fantasy. <laughs> It depends on the scale of the journey, because we've been using fantasy systems. So, like, what are like in a cyberpunk game? Well, I mean, in cyberpunk and sci-fi, you've got cult sleep, you've got cryogenics. Oh, I mean, like, no, we're going downtown to deal with the Panther Moderns. Oh, right. What, then what do I see on the train? a long, tedious lift journey. 
What do I see on the train? What does my Uber driver talk about? Oh, I guess it's the future, so... It's a robot. Hyper. I think it's more cyberpunk to have it as a person. Yeah. In charge of a robot. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's where you can get things like the news. Like, I greatly doubt that your player at any point watches the news. That's true, yeah. And it's a good way to just drop in rumours, like a free gather information check. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, that's always in. I think, like, I think giving, I think treating every role as gather information um, is always fun. Yeah. Because, like, if, if you learn something, then kind of you change the world. You know, rather than rather than I, I rolled the dice, I got a two. Okay, it has zero effect on the world. Yeah, no, you, might, you, you might as well not have come. You're gonna yeah. wish you rolled a one so something happened. I need you Even to roll me an attack one. roll to put on your hat. Yes. Oh, you missed your hat, I'm afraid. Oh, best try again. Oh, well, Tomorrow. In twenty minutes, when the other players have, have, have tried putting on their hats. Chris, I think that just about does it for us. I think it does. I think it's the end of today. And it's the end of the questions which we have answered. That is certainly a yes. Today yes. still has a set amount of hours in it. Yes. And it will run regardless of me. Thank you so much for listening to this particularly musical episode of Hearty Dice Friends. Yeah. I'm getting, we're getting musical in our, in our middle years. If only I wasn't entirely tone deaf. No, there is that. Mm, How about humming? Can you hum? Mm. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, like, maybe... No, you can't hum in tune, though, can you? No. No, that was the note I do. Okay. How about drumming? That'll sound really good in the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) just slapping the mic about. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hearty Dice. Friends, we are supported by you, the listeners. We have a Patreon, which I'm sure you've heard of, but if you haven't, please... If you like this, please give us some cash. One dollar an episode is really good. Uh, More is even better. Um, Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends. You can give us a bit of cash there and come hang out in the Discord. Uh, We also have things like uh, we have a hearty dice hangout once a month. So if you give a little bit extra, uh, you get invited to a hangout. Is it the first Tuesday of every month? Second Tuesday of every month? It's on a Tuesday. It's on a Tuesday, a regular Tuesday. Mm. Um, You'll know it when you see it. Yeah, you'll know it when you'll see it. You'll, you'll feel it in the air. We've done a lot of internet scavenger hunts. Uh, the, this time we, we played Trashkin, the new game which Chris and I released last week. Uh, it was great. It was adorable. We had lots of fun. Uh, there was one character who managed to roll really well on the weapons and armor table, and so they had a short bow and a short sword, but it was far too big for them to carry, so they just kept dropping it and tripping over it, which I think is really the essence of a Grant Howard game. Yeah. Ineptitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Celebrated ineptitude. Yeah. So if you like us, please give us some cash. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at HDF Podcast. If you want to ask us a question, you can do so on the Discord if you join up to the Patreon. You can also uh, ask us a question on Twitter. You can send a email to heartydicefriends at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you there if you've got a bit of a longer question. And um, that's about it, really. I think that's us, yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing I will... Actually, one thing I mean to say for a couple of weeks. Since they had the new overhaul on iOS, the new podcast app makes it really easy to rate and review podcasts. Like, supremely easy. Yeah, so if you do have an iPhone, and you do listen to this podcast, and you like it, 
give us a give us a nice rating, please. Pop along, and give us a rating because it does help. It, it it means we it means we show up in searches and we're like we're we're shown as more useful and it's a kind of a track of the engagement of our audience and therefore presumably how good we are. So please drop us a rating or tell a friend about us or something along those lines. If you don't have any cash, it's absolutely fine. This is a free thing. We're going to keep doing it for free. But if you like what you do, if you like what we do and you want to support us but don't want to give us money, talk about us. Say we're cool. Align your brand to our brand. Become the brand. Synergy. That's synergy. Synergy. We love you. We, listen, we've been thinking about this a lot and... We think it's time to take our relationship to the next level. You, Chris, and me. We think that we should move in together. Wow. We've got... Now, certainly, we've only got a one-bedroom flat. Um, and it's only a single bed. And Chris is absurdly tall. Mm-hmm. And I'm just normal tall. And we're both quite broad gentlemen. So you're looking at... There's not going to be a lot of room. It's going to get cosy. Yeah. You know what there is going to be a lot of? Pushing. There's going to be a lot of pushing. But also, you know what there's going to be a lot of? Love. Love. So much love. Also, there's going to be a lot of laundry. There's all of the things that's going to happen. But we It's going to be a bother. It's going to be a real problem. And honestly, we're upset that you're making us do this. But we love you. And that's, that's just how things work, I guess, you know? We make sacrifices. Yeah, this is, this is a real uh, love is about compromises, and we compromise to live with you in our tiny, pokey, imaginary one-bedroom London flat. And it wouldn't hurt if you did the dishes once in a while. And, like, could you not contribute to rent in some way? And I clearly marked that yoghurt. Yeah. It was mine. Chris wrote on that yoghurt. He wrote on it C for Chris. For Chris. C for Chris. And, like, I... I'm upset, honestly, and I think at the next meeting we need to talk about this whole yogurt theft situation because it's mm-hmm. getting out of hand it's getting too real i'm really sorry that we had to have this discussion you know i just i'm sorry so, sometimes when i get angry and i say things i don't mean about yogurt it just happens it just comes out of me yeah. not well, yogurt, yogurt, yogurt just things. comes out of you <laughs> is that like, i have a yogurt from? problem is that where it's from that thing in the, that thing in the fridge was a sample for my doctor <laughs> if anything i'm concerned about your health we're just calling it yogurt for the time being. We're not sure if it's really yogurt. It's yogurt like. It smells and tastes like yogurt, but it doesn't feel like yogurt. No. Honestly, we're worried about Chris's health. If he keeps producing more of this, the doctor it's, says. It's that... got a sort of grainy texture like polyfiller. Yeah. Yeah, gritty. Mmm. Some might say. Um, I've been Grant Howitt. I've been Chris Taylor. Yeah, uh, this has been the creature known as Chris Taylor who leaks. <laughs> Something oh, known as your something on the streets, which is known as yogurt, mm-hmm. um, and you just eaten some of it. So I hope well you get done. better soon. Well done. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye, friend. Bye. Bye.